It was Thursby, I'm telling you. It was him who did it. See? That's it, John. You got it. Hey, when I slap you, you'll stay slapped and like it. All right. Three, two, one. Yippee-ki-yay, mother... Welcome to Yippie Kaye Mother Podcast Classic. I'm Ralph Quartrucci. I'm Sean Paul Murphy. I'm Deborah Murphy. I am John Quartrucci. I'm Chris Sorry. <laughs> and I'm really glad I got to meet you guys in person. You are so much bigger than these little squares, and you have whole bodies and everything. <laughs> right. Actually, you're t- you're way taller. That's than not you true, Drew. When you say we're bigger, come on, we're we're actually shorter than you probably thought. And you're a lot that. taller because you sit so low in that square. That yeah, I met it's you. unbelievable. You're like, like man. Yeah. I've met Ralph, so I knew that John wasn't going to be eye to eye. Yeah, we're we're vertically challenged in my family. There's no no doubt about that. I I, I don't think that's true. But low center of gravity, though. Yeah. I have the low center of gravity. Yes, too. we had a nice weekend. Thank you all for showing up. It wasn't um, a nice weekend, Ralph. It was a great weekend. Yeah, we got to meet face to face. Ralph got married again. It was so nice. It was a great weekend. A lot of fun. Great to see everyone in person. Very true. Fantastic. Yep. Which all right. Said, please say hi to Rose. They really hit it off. So it was good. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. She got a kick out of Kelly. Yeah. That's great. She, by the way, she told me to tell you guys, everyone to say hello. So she wanted me to say hello to you guys. So, oh, I love Hi, Rose. Even yeah, me. She's hello, great. Rose. Even she's me. great. She's got great taste too. I mean, really. Great what? Got great taste? what? Oh, taste. I thought you said something else. No, what, what, do you want to talk about what you said about her, Ralph, over the weekend several times? Just, what did he just, say about her? Well, I was just expressing that, uh, she's, uh, uh she's, she's well put together for her age of 56. <laughs> And so. after the first time he said it, which I took it as a compliment, I really liked it. Then after the seventh time, I said, this is getting just a little bit annoying. But in fairness to Ralph. I don't remember it. Ralph was in a uh, alcohol-induced <laughs> coma for most of the weekend after was, the wedding. Yes, so. I am. I was oversaturated. It's amazing. Yes, you were. How much, uh, <laughs> I don't know how I don't know how it. I got up every day. It's, it's just crazy. Yeah. But good time had by all. all right, really, well, it was the first wedding in a long time I went to where they were doing those funnel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, yeah, that was embarrassing. We were, we were acting like teenagers for sure. That was embarrassing. I, I totally, that was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. First and last. It was embarrassing for you. Morning, so. It was. What'd you say, but, Joe? You all had to take plan B the next morning after that fraternity party. <laughs> yeah. <so>. Careful. <laughs> Oof. Uh, Ralph kept telling me you got to relax your throat muscles, and I just couldn't do it. I was so tense. Like the Ralph said, guy tells me to play, relax. You played it like a trumpet. Muscles. Ralph put that Harder. thing down so easy. It was playing it, was it like really, a trumpet. You just, it was you really just fun to watch, up. Ralph. It reminded me of that documentary we watched. Well, there you go. Yeah, don't start talking about that because I'll start talking about it again. All right. I'm not going to do what you watch because I was busy, but you guys, what you watch? Let's start with John Quattrucci. Uh, well, as everyone knows, because I talked about it at the wedding, I, I w- waited till all the episodes dropped. I watched Obi-Wan Kenobi or Kenobi. Um, and, um, fantastic Disney. Um, they're destroying Star Wars and, and let me, I'll give you one scene. I'll give you a perfect example of one scene. How bad this show was. And I, I think the best thing out of the three movies that Ewan McGregor was in was him. I think he was the best thing in those three movies. Sure. He's not the best thing in this. In fact, nothing's good in it. But there's one scene where there's this giant barrier blocking a road. It's got two big posts with beams going across, it, right? Laser beams. Laser beams. So he tries to shut it off. It won't shut off. So he hits it with a laser and blows it up. But when the camera pulls back, 
it just goes to the edge of the roads and everything on the other side, there's nothing there. So all they had to do was walk around this thing, okay, instead of that. And I'm like, who wrote this? Somebody wrote this and shot it and thought it was good. It's terrible. It retcons Star Wars again. It makes Obi-Wan Kenobi, who is a good, noble, powerful Jedi, into some uh, uh, depressed old man who can't do anything now and has to be saved by a bunch of strong women. Now, I, I know that everyone, you know, go woke, go broke, but that's what happened in this, this show. Every time he got in danger, a woman saved him. And if you watch the movies and you watch the Star Wars movies, Obi-Wan was a strong, powerful character, and they turned him into, I don't know what they turned him into, but it's just depressing to me because I love Star Wars and they're destroying it. And I don't know, like Leia, the 10-year-old, okay, that's another thing. Okay. Obi-Wan, who's protecting Luke, okay, and knows about Leia because he's the one that separated them, right? He asked Leia how old she is. That was a good one, yeah. He's, he's watching Luke. They're twins. So it, who wrote that? Somebody wrote that line. It's so stupid and so bad. And frankly, I don't think Maybe that. Maybe that person hadn't seen the movies. That Well, that would, that would not surprise me in the least if you watch this show. It didn't, uh, the special effects are okay. It seems like the budget wasn't that great. I mean, based on what I saw. So I was very disappointed in out of all the Star Wars stuff that they've been doing. This is the one I was looking forward to because I really do like Ewan McGregor. I think he's great. They, they just didn't do justice to it. I really, it was bad. That's you didn't like you didn't like the part where they had to sneak a ten year old Princess Leia out <laughs> under of, his uh, jacket. Base. Yeah, like right. like under like, his jacket. Literally like sticking two kids under a, an overcoat and going to buy R rated movie tickets. That's how they, they are in an, they are security. in an em- they're in an <laughs> empire base with hundreds of stormtroopers and they come walking out in front of this whole crowd. He's got a big trench coat, and she's underneath the trench coat. That's how they try to sneak out of it. It's the most ridiculous well, thing ever. Yeah, did they make it? No, well, they, they didn't. Oh, the thing, the thing is, I, know, it out. I just had an original idea. I feel like in a scene like that, and there are a number, if Obi-Wan Kenobi, maybe if he had some sort of power to <laughs> manipulate minds and perception, um, if he'd ever done anything like that before, that would have helped, but they kept forgetting that he looks That's like a what Jedi. I, and he has and I think Sean's and, right. I, don't, I think whoever wrote this never watched any of the movies. They couldn't have. Well, they're Honest lucky. to God, it was crazy. <laughs> if only he had that power. I mean, how long are you going to put up with <laughs> it? A Seriously. Power. I mean, how long do you guys just have to keep watching Star Wars and put up with I it? I love just, Star Wars. It was I a big part it. of my childhood, said. and that, I, I pray that someone's going to make like I, you know a lot of people don't like Rogue One. I actually liked Rogue One. I thought Rogue One was a good movie. Yeah. Solo was okay. Rogue One was probably the best one out of the batch. But I pray that they'll they'll make something. The three, the first three are still not even. What close more to, can they do? I don't understand. I mean, that's how about the, how about if you're going to make a movie, uh, a show about Obi Wan, you, you base it on his character as opposed to whatever the hell they based it on. How about that? Uh, are they trying to generate a new generation of people to, to spend their whole life watching this stuff and ruin their oh, lives? So, so, what are they okay, doing? so, so, so you're asking a loaded question. Maybe what, if you ever watch the animated stuff or the Mandalorian, no. which no. is fantastic. No. Mandalorian is great because John Favreau is a fan of Star Wars. Not everything's got to be a message. It's a, it, he makes shows for the fans and new people. New people are watching. He has nothing to do with this one. Nothing. But he thought gonna. he was in charge of all the Star no, Wars. He stuff. is now. 
because Kathleen Kennedy, the, you know, she doesn't give a crap about this. One stuff. person it's, really destroyed. I'm sure it wasn't one. But, but again, how long do you need to did you for your whole life? You just want to watch Star Wars stuff? No, and, and, but I, I, I love it so much. I want I pray for it to be good. I love those characters. And what they've done is the characters that we all fell in love with and grew up with. They've ruined. They kill Han. They kill, you know, they make Luke this, this yeah. hermit. Obi-Wan's now this depressed, powerless Jedi. I mean, it's, it's just nuts. It's nuts. John, I just want you know a good what? Star Wars. You feel that way about, uh, Star Wars as I feel that way about Saturday Night Live. Yeah, I'm with you on that. So I, I keep think I'm watching that show hoping it's going to be good in some yeah. way. I, agree. I, I can't disagree with you more on that. I mean, I, they, they I have their they're, – they're, they're not nearly as good as they used to be, but every oh, once in a while they, they pop it. Oh, that's true. I agree with that. Yeah, every now and then there's a good – Those sketch. two – and then she's gone. I did 80, like what's the her monkey name? sketch. Amy oh, Bryant. Monkey no. Amy, uh, 80 Bryant. That skit she did, does where the two people are like the culture. I forget what they do where they go in or out. They're doing – I forget. They're just – some of it is just so Chris, did you see Obi-Wan? Because you're not saying anything. Well, that's just the thing. I've seen, I saw the first episode and my family, we actually sat down to watch the second episode, but – while we were waiting for my wife to come downstairs, my son booted up uh, episode three, and we ended up just watching that. Like, which, and oh, when, and you honest, Disney, when, when you go to Disney, when you go to Disney, was this- like, I, I was just going to say, part of me from all the stuff that I've heard from everyone on this show, I was like, well, I'm not desperate to turn. Yeah, right, exactly. So, like, so we watched, you know, and it's funny that you talk about how things have gotten worse. It's like I rewatched that's the third of the prequels, right? Episode three, Revenge of the Sith, and yeah. I was like. You know, at the time, you know, the prequels and I've never hated the prequels the way a lot of people despise them. But um, when you start comparing them with the the other stuff that they've been churning out lately, you watch episode three and you go, OK, there's some bad parts in it. But now, like, that's what I'm hearing. Well, no, it's not that bad. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah hearing, no, I, 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 I've totally on the, on the uh, overall scale of good. To that, bad, well, that's because you're. Yeah, I agree with you because I'm not a big fan of those uh, original uh, prequels. Uh, I like Sith the best out of the three. Of course, but compared to the last three movies and this garbage they're putting on, those things are friggin' classics, really. I mean, they're so much better than than this stuff. Anyway, well, I went I'll tell on too you long. one thing, Ralph. You're saying like how much Star Wars will you watch? It's like, well, what about James Bond? I watch every James Bond. Exactly. I didn't, but the th- I, I will. I watch them. Well, all. I mean, I I got totally into Daniel Craig. If Daniel Craig kept doing them, I think I'd probably watch them forever. Right? Really? Yeah. Hmm. I didn't. I didn't like the uh, the middle, like the Roger. I mean, you Roger like Connery Martin. though. I but he was what three or four movies. <laughs> no, I think like six of them. Yeah. Did he five yeah. five? Um, no, I'm yeah, but still, ever, Daniel yeah. Craig is the one for me. Don't but I don't know. That. I mean, yeah. If I if there's a series that I I don't know what I'd want to watch forever. <laughs> like it has well, to. I, it has to. It, but it the can't thing is, they forever. only make one Bond film every three years now. Or four you know, years. it's like the Mission Impossible, right? What they're doing with Mission Impossible. Those are amazing. Yeah, I love those I mean, movies. Yeah, me too. I think you do that. You give a new direct. Now, a couple of one director's doing a few of them now. Uh, Macquarie or whatever. Macquarie. Macquarie yeah. that's, that's Tom Cruise. Uh, oh, but yeah. I the would problem- watch that. And same with Indiana Jones. I heard that, that they were going to punch, punch, punch out about 20 of those Indiana Jones that Lucas and, and Spielberg said, you know what? We should just churn these things out. Just churn them out because they, they, they really knew what they were doing. But Star Wars, and, and again, the other podcast I listened to, they're complaining that that this is all ruined their i told you if they said if you went back when you were a kid and you said you know when you're 50 years old you're gonna hate watching star wars stuff 
they would have gone, no, I'm, come on, this is my, this is my childhood. But that's what's happening. It's like you can't keep churning this stuff out and expect it to hold. Look, the, the biggest thing is that Star Wars is supposed to be set in a galaxy. And the show, the world feels so small. We keep yeah. going back to the same characters and right. the same families in the same era and the well, same they, yeah. uh, Tatooine and the same single biome planets. And, you know, there were, I mean, literally hundreds of books and games and uh, all, video games and all sorts of different stuff. So it is entirely possible to spin a huge Absolutely. world out of this. Shadow of the Empire. But, yeah, I mean, there's lots of great stuff, but they're not, they're not doing right. any of that. And I mean, I, I have to say, like, I, I've never been a big fan of Rogue One and I haven't watched it in years. But last weekend, I had to empty two big pieces of furniture and move them and reload them. And that was the perfect movie to be on when I was doing that. So I'm glad that I was able to experience it again and not have high expectations. But yeah, I'm sorry that Obi-Wan Kenobi is so bad, but at this point, it's not that surprising. The, hey, the animated stuff outlier, is, is so. the, the animated stuff is, is good Star Wars. If you've never heard people it, like Bad Batch and all that stuff, I haven't seen Excellent. That. Excellent. Really. So, all right. Uh, Chris bums me out. Anything but Star Wars? You be uh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, I, um, I watched, um, cause it was about to disappear from Criterion. I finally caught up with, um, uh, Godard's, uh, Alphaville. I, speaking of science fiction, that is not at all science fiction. Well, it's very science fiction, but it doesn't have a lot of the trappings of science fiction. Um, Alphaville is a, uh, let me caution story. Uh, Lemmy Caution is a character played by Eddie Constantine in a bunch of different B-movies. And um, uh, Godard took him and, and created this movie called Alphaville. It's um, it's one of those kind of legendary sci-fi pictures that people talk about a lot. Um, it was uh, it was really interesting and good. But at the same time, it didn't quite live up to the hype, honestly. It's one of those ones where they... Um, and I think they did this to some extent on purpose, where... There's like no special effects. There's like, they just filmed it in a lot of really futuristic office buildings. You know what I mean? <laughs> like for the time, it's like, it was like, so you're watching it. And so it now looks kind of like it was all filmed in like the late seventies, even though it was like the mid sixties, you know? Like um, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. That's, it was that's, all that's, filmed that's, around yeah. that com- office complex. Yeah. A lot of cement. But it also has, but, but like a lot of good science fiction stories, it has this really, it has a lot of interesting ideas. Do you know what I mean? About computers and, and it was literally talking about technology taking over people's lives and essentially AI before hmm. we had a word for it. Um, so in, in some ways it's really thought provoking and really forward thinking. Um, but it didn't quite knock me out uh, the way I was kind of hoping to be knocked out. You know how sometimes you finally catch up with a movie and you're like really excited. And um, it was, uh, and I ba- I got to sit down and watch it all in one, in one shot, which is a rarity. It's not that long. It's only like an hour and 45 minutes long, but um, it didn't quite live up to it, but it was still definitely worth the hour and 45 minutes. Okay. So that's what I want. I saw Al- Alpha. Alphaville. Alphaville. I never heard of it. Mm-hmm. I kind of gave up. French new Wave. You know, so. All right. Sean and Debbie. Debbie? Um, Elvis? Oh, my gosh. We went to Thank you. Thank Elvis you very much. Movie. Thank you. You saw it. Thank you very much, Elvis. Thank Wesley, you. Uh, and that young kid, he was fantastic. Austin, Austin oh. Butler. He was fantastic. Austin, yeah, I heard he was great. He was great. And um, the uh, Parker. Um, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Tom, Tom Hanks. He gave an okay performance. I, I wouldn't. 
think that it was anything great. Um, but uh, Elvis really stole the show. It was really great. It was, um, it's a Baz Luhrmann film. So expect Razzle Dazzle. Yeah. Which is really, you know, I didn't like his stuff as much in the past, but I just find so much of what I'm watching on streaming is just visually bland. It's really, you know, it's good, but it's, there's nothing special. You don't see any, you don't see any real directorial flourishes in much of what you see on TV. So now it's sort of like when we watched, um, on a previous podcast, watched Any Given Sunday. I mean, that was so over the top visually that, you know, it was a relief to me. And I felt the same way about this film. Um, you know, but you so, don't think it hurt the film? Didn't hurt the no, film, his style? No, I mean, I think, you know, the film is doing really well. It actually, yeah. out, you know, Maverick, Maverick on the yeah. first week. It was oh, close. Wow. And um, a lot of Hollywood insiders expected it was going to flop because the old argument, who knows who Elvis is anymore. Right. But, uh, and it did skew old. But I, I was really enjoyed the film. You know, it takes liberties, but I didn't think it, it hurt it. You know, it's, it's Elvis's story, but it's a fantasy too. Right. I, well, I you know, the a story make it, the storytelling makes it fantasy, even if it were real. The review I watched said it's more of a Colonel Parker story. It's from his perspective. Yeah, it's Elvis, which is a good way of doing it because we've it was, it was there been so many. Yeah. There's so many Elvis films out there, and you know, you know, the Kurt Russell one being the um, best. The, I'm going to call yeah, it the, the best, best of the straight Elvis films because this is sort of like a. Wild I don't think thing. Elvis was gay. No, I didn't mean that way. I mean straight storytelling. He was very happy. He wasn't. No, he was not happy. Actually, that was that. Um, was- was does what's he mix the, contemporary? What's the second best? What's the second best Elvis movie? Is it Bubba Hotep? <laughs> oh, I that's, love that movie. That's one of my favorites. The Kurt Russell oh. Elvis was very good. This one is very good. Bubba Hotep was very good. Does he mix contemporary music with the Elvis music? So he's uh, got other- there is rap the music. No, yeah. even, even yeah, like he- when they're walking on like Beale Street, you'll yeah. hear contemporary music. Well, yeah. that stuff is soul music, and uh, really, they brought out the. Uh, you know, the creation of Elvis, how he, you know, he was raised in a Jewish neighborhood and you could well, hear they didn't bring the Jewish stuff, but you- they didn't, but you heard the, the cantor, you know, the, you know, the, the music of that, um, you heard the blues, the and, you blues heard the gospel. and the gospel music. And it was fantastic. Well, it is interesting to know if younger people are going to, you know, relate to this film at all. Well, they, well, are. they were applauding. The box we office is doing great. Said- well, I know, but like Sean says, it's skewing probably older. But you know uh, what? It had a better opening than Rocket Man or the Freddie Mercury movie. Really? The, um, the Queen movie. We saw this at uh, the Charles, and it's usually an artsy kind of uh, vibe there. And um, everybody was like really into it, you know. Well, the production value Quality. looks amazing. This, the, well, the set, I tell you what, I went pieces. to the men's room after the movie. And okay. the guy at the urinal next to me walked up and was like, all culture is fake. So I knew he was just out of the Elvis movie, too. Hmm. He's like, it's phony. It's all phony. I'm like, wow, strong reaction. I didn't know whether so as a, a, as a diehard guy. Elvis fan yeah. that I am. Yeah. You, I you think, think you'll I'll, enjoy it. You think I'll like this movie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I definitely want to see it, but I was hesitant once I saw the first trail and I was like, ah, oh, that looks a little. Uh, they say the kid's amazing. It's great. Say, yeah, no, I, I, I've heard that from the beginning. The kid that he is becomes Elvis. Really he is yeah. Elvis. Then so Debbie looking, referred I'm, I'm to him as, to it now. Debbie referred to him as watching Elvis, not the actor, wow. but watching Elvis. So, watching yeah. Elvis. 
Yeah, well, no, I will I'm, definitely I'm go. one for like Elvis impersonators. You know, we have here a thousand and one night of a thousand Elvis. Yeah, and it's so much fun. You see Elvis everywhere. You know, John you- and I were on a cruise where there was a bunch of Elvi walking around. We had a bunch of them. I was on a cruise where I won a karaoke contest and I got to perform on the last night the big show they do. I was Elvis. Oh my! Uh, God. It was Fat Elvis, but it was me. Why couldn't you have been Elvis at the wedding? Um, I didn't want to. I did not want to detract from. It was Ralph's day. Ralph Freddie Mercury was already there. We didn't need Elvis too. So. Yeah. Well, do you remember that? Yes, I do. Uh, I think one of the things, maybe at the end of the show, you should uh, roll a little B-roll. I might. Yeah, I, might. I think that would be funny. Yeah, especially I, I remembered after I saw the video. Um, so that went well. Sean, Wait, if you I see think anything? our fan would really like to see your yeah. wedding. Oh, my gosh. It's I mean, that doesn't get us subscriptions and likes. Nothing will. Okay? Yeah. I'm just telling you now because it was yeah. epic. It was epic. Sean. But I do anything? want to say, I just wanted to add one more thing to John about the Elvis movie. I think this will definitely, it will, it cannot help but bring some more fans, Elvis fans. I don't buy it. No? I'm we'll cynical see. about that. I don't think so. Well, I think I, you I just don't. I just first. don't. I don't think kids care about Elvis. And he's still <laughs> one of the most recognizable. The he's, he's one recognizable. of the most not the same as. No, that's. Uh, his music, his music, they, they remix his music, it ends up in the top 10. How can you say that? I mean, I'm just John, all I'm doing is stating an opinion that well, I if, know, you don't, if you saying, don't no. agree with it, just say, okay, I don't but you're, agree you're with making, it. You're stating an opinion about what other kids think, not what you think. I My opinion is I don't think younger people would jive to Elvis. That's all I'm saying. Well, we'll see what this box office does. Okay. Well, Mara loves I mean, Elvis. You know, she she loves his music. Well, she gets it through you guys. So, yeah, I mean, a good movie can like, jump, and even if it's not really about that artist can like jumpstart like reinvigorate careers. I mean, you guys, it was a bit of an art house hit, uh, the movie Muriel's Wedding that introduced. Oh yeah. I love that movie. Tony Collette. Yeah. Um, You know, I went out and bought Abba Gold. Yeah. I would admit that like in public uh, that I went out and bought Abba Gold because of that film, you know, how many times have I listened to um, California dreaming (laughs) since um, Chung King express? Yeah. Yeah. And this will get people like you always say, Ralph, they're going to watch the movie. They're going to rabbit hunt. They're going to start listening to his music. Well, I hope so. Listen, I don't want him to disappear into. He's never going to disappear. He never will. I know that, but I'm just saying, I think think there's even a line. Doesn't he do a (laughs) line in the trailer? He He, said, you know, 50 years lines actually. What's that? He did a lot of lines. Well, the, the line he spoke was, uh, you know, 50 years, people aren't going to remember who right. I am. That's right. And, you know, look at his, his Vegas thing. That was supposed to be his big comeback and, you know, everything. But part of the reason why he's become a legend is he died so young, too. I mean, if he right. lived another 40 years, of course. who the hell knows? Because remember how, I mean, at the end, he was big, you know, what his yeah, voice so was, was drug still addled, great. It was horrible. But that definitely added to his legend that he died so young. Yeah. So, All right, I, will say, I will say, I will say, I just watched the first episode of the second season of Hacks. I'm not going to talk about the show, um, other than it's great, but Wayne Newton plays himself in that episode. And when you see him, it is shocking. He's had a little work done. He's, I mean, Elvis would have ended up in this. I mean, it is well, so distracting. You're right. I'm, I, I'm I fond think you're of right. Him, but- Oh my Ken, God. Kenny so. Rogers did the same thing. I did an oh, infomercial yeah. with oh, Kenny God, Rogers. Kenny. We were doing an infomercial. Kenny, smile more. I am. And it was like his face was tight. It's just, I don't know well, why. Yeah, he was the but... first guy to get liposuction for his stomach. Who? Kenny Rogers. Oh, really? Way back. Yeah. 
He talked about it on some show. That's, I think you're right, Drew. I think, I think that would have been the route that Elvis would have taken and, and it would have been ugly. Now, Wayne Newton, I saw Wayne Newton at Vegas. He was wonderful. I'm Fantastic. sure he was. Elvis would have never gotten plastic surgery. Uh, never. I don't know. No, he wouldn't. Right. That's what right. I'm talking about. Um, okay. You know what? We'll never we gotta, know. We got to get to Sean's movie him. eventually. So, Sean. Oh, we got, uh, Sean talked about Elvis, didn't he? Uh, well, that was that Debbie's it? movie. Okay. You guys. That was a combo. Drew's going to be 20 minutes, so let's go. All right, Drew, you're up. Sean, are are you okay if I go? I'm fine, thank you. <laughs> just to make sure everybody knows. You look a little space. like uh, the Colonel Parker. Gutman. No, he Sean. looks like Gutman and the Maltese Falcon. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Oh, I like a man who likes to talk. <laughs> well, then you're in luck. Yeah. So, Drew? <laughs> I watched two movies this weekend about family. I'm only going to talk about one of them. Um, one of them was uh, Midsummer, which is a continues to be a fantastic movie i think that's the fifth time i've watched it but the other movie that was about family i actually i I watched that and another film that Mm -hmm. i had i would say low expectations of of my experience with them and the first one is um f9 the fast saga which is the ninth fast and furious movie not counting uh, Hobbs and Shaw, which is the spinoff, which I admit I have not seen, so I may have lost that part of the story. F nine, the one they go into space in. Oh yes, among many other things. And uh, I remember when the first movie came out. I think it was twenty one years ago. My uh, sister and I. We, I remember we saw the ads and people were laughing about it, and then we kind of looked at each other, and I was like, "Dude, I kind of want to see that." She goes, "Yeah." I, I don't want to see that. So we went to the theater and we had a ball and yeah. it's silly and it's, fun and it's, it's prime, you know, peak Vin Diesel and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, they made more of them. The best one by far is fast five where they redesigned the whole thing into a heist movie in Brazil. And it's an absolute ball and it's really fun. And then they started doing this stuff, which I have sat through a couple in the theater where now they pretend that they're all related and they are referring to characters from you know, three and four and, and all this lunatic, ridiculous stuff. I was so bored by this movie. I didn't even look on Wikipedia to say, wait, who's that character again? Like it was just, it was so bad and awful. I'm hoping because they have a lot of fun people in it that maybe they'll just step back and reboot it again because I assumed that the fifth one was going to be just trash and they're out of ideas. And it was so just deliriously fun. It was so a huge hit. I think nine was a, Oh yeah, no, it was, it was a it was a gigantic. Was, hit. was five the last one Paul Walker was in, or did he die? Between no, he them? was in. Um, no, he. I'm trying to remember. I, it was either six or seven where he had died, and they yeah. did a um, they did a thing at the end where that he was uh, driving side by side digitally in another yeah. car with Vin Diesel, and then they took two paths, and it was actually kind of sweet. Yeah. It was kind of touching. Um, but then at the end of this one, spoilers for a movie you shouldn't watch. Uh, apparently he's still alive and he drives up in his blue car, which I'm supposed to remember was his blue car from seven movies ago oh, or something. Wow. So I, I, I don't know. It was crap, but the movie that you should watch that was really fun was, uh, it's just, uh, premiered on Paramount plus it's Beavis and butthead do the universe. And it is <laughs> so fun. Uh, I mean, obviously I grew up watching Beavis and butthead. I'm a big fan of Mike judge and, and, uh, you know, King of the Hill and all that stuff. And, it is just really, really fun. It's dirty and silly and uh, juvenile, and it's like an hour and 20-some minutes, so it doesn't overstay its welcome, and uh, it's perfectly fine to watch at home. You don't need to go see it in the theater, 
And uh, if it won't have, be better in IMAX. I don't. I don't think so. Although it, it is on a galactic scale, there's space travel and interdimensional stuff and aliens and uh, multiverse. Of, uh, multiverse. Well, yeah, sort of. And a lot of euphemisms that have to do with sex. Believe it or not, um, the one thing that it's missing, of course, is uh, the music videos, which is what the TV show was. But apparently, the original shows are coming back to Paramount Plus with all of the original music videos, which you can't oh, really? that experience if you watch them on YouTube or something. Mike so, Judge, he did Idiocracy, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes, he did. Which was a, a shockingly prescient movie in many yeah. ways. Yeah, that was a, do- a documentary, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, except in that one, the the leader of the morons uh, still like listens to smart people and stuff. So it, it it turned out to be much worse, much worse, especially after today's hearings. Oh my god! But those were two fun movies. Um, I'm glad I watched both of them. I can only recommend one of them. And if you want to see Fast and Furious, just go watch Fast Five if you haven't, because it's really fun. Yeah, I think when Paul Walker left, it kind of the, the Vin Diesel got a little. You know, obviously, obviously he went. You know, started producing him, and he's you know he's kicking people off, and he's fighting with The Rock and all that. The Rock Walker won't do was, anymore. Say what you want about him; he was a pretty decent actor. He was fun, and I think people he grounded were very fond that. Of him. Yeah. They ground he grounded that where Vin Diesel, you know, just turned it into a cartoon. It's a cartoon. It's a superhero. Well, They're superheroes. Yeah, no, at this um, point they are. I don't think, and there's and physics is just like not right. a thing in that world. Yeah, you know, that's all. That's all the, the other thing. Cars. The irony of Paul Walker getting killed in a car crash. Yeah. Uh, it's just like, it's mind boggling. So, yeah. yeah all right. I, I will say, well, um, they, <laughs> I saw like a really cheap box that had them all. It was like $14. I'm like, okay, I'll get all nine of these movies. And I have started working them way through, but it's sort blue, of like Blu-ray 14. That, yeah. For, for the Blu-ray. Wow. 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 I've only watched one of them. I collected them. I I think I've got them all. I remember, like Drew. I went to that first movie, going, "This is goofy." I walked out, going, "I want to drive fast." Yeah, Let's it was go. Fun. Let's go. It was fun. It's like walking out of the Warriors. I wanted to beat the shit out of. Some- I knew I was going to get my ass kicked. I mean, it was know. basically <laughs> just Point Break, but with cars instead of surfing. Yeah, it, it was and good. So the first one had a little, you know, panache, a little bit of panache. Um, all right, I Sean. think I got to like the third one on the set, and it was just like you're, you're out. I'm just so sick of non. You know, of CG cars. You, you know? don't take your life a quarter mile at a time. Uh, yeah. yeah, you, you got to take it at a lower voice, though. <laughs> I think, uh, honestly, uh, Sean, if you skip four, that's easily one of the worst ones. And you go to five. That uh, Five is also five is the by, one where they drag the safe. The in safe yeah. yeah. And that's directed by Justin Lin. Yeah. Yeah. And Justin Lin has done a lot of them. But uh, he did also um, Star Trek Beyond, which was the third uh, new Kelvin timeline Star Trek with Idris Elba and all three of those movies are all exactly the same story, uh, which doesn't make them bad, but they're all the same storyline. And Star Trek beyond is just probably the most fun. And so Justin Lin brings that kind of fun to fast five. And so yeah, wasn't there know, a motorcycle I, I chase in that third one? There, there is a motorcycle chase. Yeah. There's use of, um, of what they call classical music, which is the beastie boys. I mean, it's just, it's just fun. It's just a, a fun movie. And that's, uh, that's what I was hoping to get out of F9 with John Cena and all these, and all these other things. And no, Beavis yeah. and Butthead are fun. All right. Well, let's go to classic mode, Sean. Okay, I'm going to so- go because you brought this film. I'm going black and white mode. So, uh, what'd you bring, Sean? Well, I brought the 1941 version of the Dashiell Hammett novel, The Maltese Falcon. This is the, not the first, this was the third one, I believe, of the yep, uh, third one. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it's definitely the best. 
This, you know, um, stars Humphrey Bogart as Sam Spade, detective. Um, Mary Astor, Astor as the uh, femme fatale. And um, a great supporting cast of um, Sidney Greenstreet in, in his film debut. Yeah. Man, what a character he was. And Peter Lorre in perhaps my second favorite role by him, the first one being 1931 you know, German film M by Fritz Lang, where he played a child murderer, an absolutely terrific performance in film. If you ever get the chance to see it, I believe it is on HBO Max. But um, in this film, um, Sam Spade is a detective who's drawn into a murderous conspiracy of a group of people trying to find an ancient object of art, a um, jewel encrusted priceless jewel-encrusted falcon, which apparently had been covered over with um, some lacquer to hide its identity. And um, there's a number of people involved in this international intrigue. We were talking about a lot more money than this. There are more of us to be taken care of now. Well, that may be, but I've got the falcon. You may have the falcon, but we certainly have you. I've taken a lot of writing from you I'm going to take. Get up and shoot it out. Stop it. The police will be here any minute. Now talk. Oh, how can you accuse me of such a terrible... This isn't the time for that schoolgirl act. We're both of us sitting under the gallows. be argued that this is the first film noir film and he's a you know a darkish um man who you know lives by his own rules who um trying to investigate the murder of his partner you know early on in the film by these people who are trying to gain control of this object and um with whose wife he's been cheating with yeah well yes well yeah it was kind of was well, he? <laughs> well, let's, we'll, we'll, we'll debate any points like that. But it, it's a it's a really great film, and I tell you, the book is really good too. And there are some changes from the. There aren't many changes, but there yeah. are changes from the book. And I just want to say one thing: um, it was not the script was nominated for an Oscar, you know, which was a John Hugh. It was directed by John Huston, who'd be one of the great legend legendary. Was this directors. his first? Was this John yeah. Huston's directorial yeah, this was his debut? First film. It was. Hmm. He had a bad experience. He was a, a very successful screenwriter, and his dialogue in a previous film had been changed by Paul Mooney. And he's like, "I'm only going to write what I direct." Well, what's interesting about this um, film is, and the script, he had a secretary, and he told his secretary to just adapt the novel as a, into screenplay format, and that is essentially the entire film. So. To me, it's kind of unfair that the secretary didn't, you know, get a co-writing credit on it because she did, you know, essentially 85% of the work on the film. Well, the, ho- the Hollywood myth is that uh, after she finished typing up the script 
And she really took the book almost verbatim. Yeah. It was on Houston's desk in his office. Houston wasn't there. Jack Warner walked in, saw the script on the desk, read the script and said, okay, let's make this movie. That's yeah. how it got green. You said this is the, th- is it, had it been done before or? Yeah, it had been done two times, 1931. Before. Right. And then it was on 36, Satan Met a Lady. It was a remake of it. It was almost a comedy. It was nothing like the, uh, like what it ended up. In fact, the first one wasn't like how it ended up either. He wasn't as hard boiled. He was more ladies' man. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very different. So the fact that within a 10 year period. happy endings. Yeah, that's right. So the fact that they, they took a chance on this, the third, third one in 10 years, they did not expect it to be a hit. And, you know, it was Houston's first, his directorial debut and they didn't have a big budget either. So the fact that they even got it made and the way they made it is a pretty big, it's a great story in itself. Was this Bogart's debut or not? No, no, but this was his first, this was his first became Bogart. Leading man. Well, not really. You would, I would say that high Sierra is the film. And then, but this this was a very different character for him. Yeah. This, Um, and it also opened the door to Casablanca and a bunch of other stuff too. And then after that, and let's point out that um, Sidney Greenstreet and Peter Laurie were both in Casablanca as That's right. well. They ended up making nine films together. Yeah, Laurie and, um, and Laurie. And uh, Greenstreet was also, I loved it, did Bogart and Greenstreet together in um, Across the Pacific as well. You know, where um, Bogart was like a traitorous American, disillusioned former soldier. He's really a double agent. And Sidney Greenstreet was a... Um, Japanese spy, a spy for Japan wanting to destroy the Panama Canal. And now his role is very famous. And, um, I mean, these guys just did such a great job together. And this is what's really you don't see as much as, as these scenes and these, these great character actors, you know, interacting together. And really, and the difference in film today, and it's really taught this way. Nowadays, you give the star everything you know it's you give the star the best lines you know you do that i mean that's that's what people are taught but if you look at this film i mean laurie is tremendous he's got a lot of great lines like when there's one point where after he had you know was like beaten up and held hostage by bogart and astor and and um bogart catches him later in hotel lobby goes let's meet he's like well, the after our last encounter, I don't, I, I forgot what the exact wording is, but it's a great thing. It's like, I don't think I want to have any further private meetings with you after our previous things. And the film is also interesting that it's very immoral, you know, in the sense that um, it's obvious that he's sleeping with Mary Astor. Um, she is a woman who's like a consummate liar. She fires the entire plot. You can never believe a word she says. And she's like trying to buy Bogart with money. And, um, and when he gets mad about that, she goes, well, what else do I have? What else do I have that I can buy you with? And he kisses her. And I think that gave her, gave her the clue of where they were going from there. In fact, if I want to say, you know, I don't mind saying spoilers. The film came out quite a long time ago. <laughs> I think it's 1941. Yeah. I want everybody who's watching this pa- podcast to, to watch it if you haven't seen it. You will absolutely love this movie. And uh, But, you know, to me, the only weakness is, is that Sam Spade is such a cynical character, and he doesn't mind tearing people down like Archer's widow. 
when she's like being all sincere, he just like sits down and literally laughs at her. <laughs> and he laughs at Mary Astor and pull, pulls her down quite a bit too. It's like, you know, she's always trying to be like an innocent. And when he tells her something shocking, she like goes around and does the knickknacks. And then he tells her something else. She starts to stand up and goes, you're not going to go and poke the fire and adjust some knickknacks again. You know what I mean? He, he sees through her. But on the other hand, the movie wants us to believe that he's actually kind of falling for her, which to me is the only weakness. Um, I think in, if you read the book, you could sense that um, he's, he's a little more cynical. They obviously are involved, you know, and he may have feelings for her, but you don't get the sense that he's like falling in love with her. But I think in a movie, if they were having sex, you know, in a film from 1941, there had to be at least some implied emotional involvement. And also the film is very, you know, not so subtle in a, in a depiction of homosexuality. Right. With the Peter Lorre character. Yeah. And, you know, obviously they could never come out and say that, you know, so it's that he has a scented business card. Yeah. Gardenia. Uh, yeah, Jack B. Warner wrote a wrote a uh, note to Houston saying we got to do something about the pansy. That was the line that was uh, yeah. that, that his note. But but I mean, think about how they showed his character, which for that time was you just didn't see that. Yeah, and it was pretty open. You know what I mean? I thought that was really interesting when I was watching it. Yeah, and um, also too, like um, Elijah Cook, who plays Gutman's um, gunman, he calls him um, a gunzel. Yeah. Which is a Yiddish word for um, homosexual, too. It has more than one meaning, mm. but that's one as well. You know, but there's also an encounter between Peter Laurie and Mary Astor where she's also intimating, you know, there's also intimating that, like, she couldn't get around the guy that he could, you know, which is another homosexual reference. So in a sense, you know, for a film that only has, like, five main characters, two of them are intimated as being homosexuals. Right. You know, Elijah Cook and Peter Lorre, you know, so that's uh, pretty daring at the time, though. I don't think you caught it the first time you saw the movie. did you? I've, I've watched this movie a lot because Sean loves this movie, but I never really, you know, sort of like watched it um, vacuously, you know, not really paying attention to what was going on because it was always confusing. You know, there was too much um, confusion for me to watch it, you know. Um, but uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. But uh, to me, this film is relatively straightforward. If you want a confusing detective film starring Humphrey Bogart, you, and, you know, my, my second oh. favorite detective film is The Big Sleep. Right. In which they were in which even the filmmakers were so confused, <laughs> they couldn't figure yeah. out which character murdered one of the characters. So they called the author of the book yeah. and he wasn't even sure. Yeah, he couldn't you know, tell so. him. That's right. Well, first, they, first they called William Faulkner who wrote the screenplay, and he didn't know. And then they asked Raymond Chandler, and he didn't. Yeah, know. Raymond and Chandler. You watch the movie, and it doesn't matter. Right, exactly. And it doesn't matter. And this, it doesn't. I mean, the, the um, you know, what is what did what did Hitchcock call these? The MacGuffin. The MacGuffin. Yeah. This is a great MacGuffin. You know, yeah. it's a, a historical object that you could see people wanting to have, but it's just, it's just a MacGuffin. They could be chasing anything else. It's right. what dreams be, are made out of. Yeah. That's which right. is a line that was not in the book. Right. You know? It was All, not. No, it was not. And in the end, in the end, Gutman is killed off camera in the book, you know, but I did really recommend, and I'll tell you, 
You know, I don't have all of his short stories. You know, um, Dashiell Hammett mainly plied his trade as a writer of short stories. Sean, I think he wrote a, five novels. Is that his real name? Yes. What kind of parents named their child Dashiell Hammett? Well, he Mr. was, Mrs. He was a detective. Hammett. He was actually a detective who yep. became a writer. He couldn't do, he had tuberculosis, so he couldn't uh, be a detective anymore. So he started writing. That's why he took he, a course you know, the story, on writing. What'd you say? He took a course on writing. Yeah. But he wrote what he knew. Yeah. That's why the dialogue is so good in this movie. Yeah. And the, and the book is really good. The description. He just has enough. He did like five, um, five novels, four of which have had official versions made. There's never been an actual version of, of um, Red Harvest, but it's been, you know, um, ripped off so many times in the movies. He's a regular know. George Pelicanos, one might say. <laughs> yeah. He is definitely a guy Ralph would have kicked out of his oh, house. Oh, definitely. Um, and I love the way he said you'll be picking lead out of your liver. Yeah. I mean, who talks like that? Uh, we know? use we use a couple. We actually use two lines from this in my film, 21 Eyes. Nestor Serrano uses them. It's good. He did a great Humphrey Bogart impersonation. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, Drew and Chris, before I start talking. <laughs> <laughs> gotta have the last word there hey eh, ralph no um, not really you know well you know it's it's the maltese falcon it's a classic for a reason it's Why? pretty Why? terrific i was just re-watching it and um there's there's like it's funny how you know i probably haven't seen this movie i don't know at least a decade right so re-watching it really was i'm just like wow this is just really well done um i like the fact that he's like <clears throat> kind of ridiculously cynical and he just he 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 thinks that he's so jaded by his job, basically walking around and let's be realistic. Most private eyes, 90% of their work or, or more than 90% is cheating wives and cheating. Right. Husbands. That's what it is. And so they're so cynical from there. And I even like that, um, you know, he's so, he's so jaded that like, even when, the wife of his his recently dead partner shows up, the woman he's been having an affair with, right? When she says this stuff, he just starts, like you said, he laughs. He sits back on his desks and, desk and he's like, now you just go home, honey. And you see him kind of shift to, I'm tired of this lady and I want to get her out of here. So he starts being somewhat nicer to her, but it's like totally act, um, a total act. And it's, I, you know, I, I, I really found it, uh, you know, it is, it is for a movie from the forties. It, it is really, really cynical. And, um, I mean, we'll get to the, I have, I have some thoughts on the ending that, uh, you know, that, that are kind of, I think he is, you know, he's just, he is as bad as anybody else in this film. Do you know what I mean? Like as, as a, like a bankrupt personality. Do you know what I mean? He's technically on the right side of the law, but it's just a little bit. He's not, he's not too far off from you know, murdering people for this, for this, for this, the, for the Falcon. Do you know what I mean? I don't think he's that far off. I think he's a, a bad couple of months of, of bad cases and nobody and people stiffing him on payments before he's doing some really, some really down low things. I think he's one of those guys that like, he doesn't commit crimes or doesn't, you know, doesn't really think about committing crimes mostly because, you know, he's still, he has a decent apartment. He has a job. He's got a thing. He kind of does his own thing. Um, yeah, I really see the Sam Spade characters not being far off from being from being one of the other. Like 
in that in that world. Do you know what I mean? Like I said, a couple bad months that he, he might be pulling a scam or, or, or a job just like anybody else. But um, I do also like it, how they kind of write him, how like he, he's never in any danger, right? There are guys with guns and he's just like slapping them and taking them away. And, and well, it's the like pansy. That. It's the guy with the little tiny gun, right? Yeah. Oh, it's also uh, Elijah Cook. So he's pulling yeah. the 45 yeah. on. Yeah. No, yeah. but here's, I, I wanted to spit down. You notice he takes these guns from people. But when um, Sidney Greenstreet pulls a gun, that's when he like he stops there because he knows Sidney Greenstreet is like will do anything, you yeah. know. He you know he would shoot him even before he said. But he still had the balls to keep a thousand bucks. Yeah, but you know what? Expenses. I think that may have saved his life because yeah. Sidney Greenstreet loved the fact that he said that. Right. You know, it's sort of like, and he's yeah. like, okay, you know, it's like fair's fair. Yeah. But sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Chris. No, I was just saying that, like, you know, it's I think that and and I can't take credit for this. I heard this somewhere, like in the very end when they, they take um oh gosh, what's her name? When they Mary take Mary Astor. Away, yeah, Mary Astor. When they take Mary Astor away and she goes down the elevator and he goes down the stairs. I heard this someplace and I was like, Oh, I think that's very accurate. He they were basically like, they're going to the same place. She's just going there faster. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And it is true. That's a good that in way of looking ways, at it. In some ways, they're very, like I said, they're, he's not willing to put himself out for her, but I think he might have, at least the way they do it in the film, I, I think he saw kind of a, a kindred spirit in her mm-hmm. in, in that regard. And maybe he was, don't get me wrong, he would never get so attached right. that he would put anybody ahead of himself. But like, even to the point where he does that whole breakdown where he's like, you know what? Your partner gets shot and you got to avenge him. It was more like a, a duty that he had to perform than any kind of like that he liked Archer. Or obviously he didn't like him that much. I mean, he was sleeping with his wife, you know. And anyway. then one detective goes, when, um, when Paul House goes, well, you know, he had his faults like everyone. Well, I suppose he had his good points too. Bogart's like, mm. yeah, exactly. He's like, Maybe. I don't and know. wasn't Archer hitting on uh, Mary Astor when he first Oh, yeah. Him? Oh, yeah. You know, so he wasn't a yeah. saint. Oh, yeah. Not, none of the people in this. This is like right. one of That's those the point. Where, like, no one in this film funny. is good. Yeah. yeah. Even right. the cops are scummy. Right. And that's yeah. why it's a film noir film. That's right. Instead of a film noir film, instead of just a detect, like a 30s detective shades film. Shades of gray. Everybody's got shades Yeah, of that gray. there is no good person, you yeah. know. But it's 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 obviously super well done, and you know it's just a, like I said, it's a classic for a reason. I I'm, I'm with you, Sean. If you haven't seen this film, take go 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 uh, go do it. Stop the podcast and go do it. We'll be here when you get back. Yeah, but hit like before you go, please. <laughs> All right, and Drew. slam that sub- subscribe. Slam button. it, smash it, Drew. So uh, this is obviously one of the greatest movies ever and um you know we talked about how it's the first for so many things for people for styles for performances for all these things and i was trying to think like you know what is there new to say about it i'm happy to talk about it because there are definitely people who haven't seen it and they should uh treat themselves to it and whether you have knowledge of you know classic hollywood history or not it doesn't matter it's just a really good movie i'm kind of surprised Nobody's ever really taken a crack at remaking it. I don't mind that they haven't, 
but um, no one's ever tried to do that. And they've talked, you know, there's been stuff in the trades about we're going to remake Casablanca, we remade Ben Hur, and stuff like that. So you never know. But I realized I actually have a pretty personal connection to this movie. Uh, my mother-in-law, Connie Logan, um, she had two favorite movies. One of them was from um, her childhood watching sci-fi movies. It was called The Crawling Eye. And it's pretty much what it sounds like. It's about a big blobby eye hunting people on a mountain. <laughs> and it has a scary noise. You can hear it coming because it goes beep, beep, beep. Beep, beep, beep. I can't explain the origin of that sound, but okay. But her other favorite movie is The Maltese Falcon. And uh, she died the week, uh, a couple of days before Thanksgiving in 2019. And on her last day, when she was mostly gone uh, and drifting away, my wife Kelly was here with her. And she uh, decided to watch the Maltese Falcon with her mom one last time. And her mom was not really responsive, but whenever the music swelled, she squeezed Kelly's hand harder. So that was a really lovely connection to the movie. And she's a woman, you know, she didn't know, you know, love movies the way that we love movies. She just loved the experience of movies. I even got her to sit through Mad Max Fury Road in the theater. And she said, <laughs> I don't know what was going on, but you seem to like it. So I had a good time. But um, and I was very close with her. And it's nice to have a, a movie memory um, like this with her. So thank you for picking this movie because it reminded me of that. Oh, okay. wow. Now, I will say. You know, I mean, I'm a big fan of film noir. I never actually read any Hammett. I read Chandler. It's, I'm not against reading Hammett. I just happen not to have. So I didn't bring anything um, to this to the movie as far as they're doing it right, they're doing it wrong, all that kind of stuff. It's funny though because I don't think of it as pure film noir. It definitely lays out all these elements from cinematography to story structure to characters and all these things. I think of it as noir-ish because it's missing one element that is trying to be in the movie but sam spade is like stop doing it i don't buy it which is the woman that is dooming the man the woman that is manipulating the man so at the end of the movie the man she might die too but at the end of the movie the man is dead or the man is in prison for things that she did all that kind of stuff so to me like that one element it's in things like Double Indemnity, Kiss Me Deadly, The Killing, uh, The Last Seduction from the 90s is an excellent mm-hmm. example of that. Body yeah. Heat? That, that, I don't, yeah, Body Heat. I mean, lot, that doesn't mean this isn't, it just, it's just. Femme Fatale? Well, she's yeah, responsible that, that, for like well, every well, death to, in the movie. Well, she's, right. but she's ever trying directly to directly or indirectly. And, it, and our, our, our lead is immune to it, which is exactly what happens in, um, in, um, The Big Sleep is, which is good because you're like, well, we, I want to see more movies with this detective. I want to see more movies with this character. You're not really concerned that, um, that uh, Bogart and, and Bacall aren't going to end up together in some version of a happy ending in the big sleep. And uh, that, like you said, the, the part of this movie that I'm not sure how real I'm supposed to read it is, you know, they're so, supposed to be falling in love when obviously she's trying to use it to manipulate it and he's just not there for it. So yeah. it becomes kind of funny. Like I don't, I don't, I don't know if I'm supposed to look at it and go, oh, he's he's a little bit torn by uh, you know love for her. I, I didn't I didn't think that was happening at all. But um, like when he takes the gun away from her when it's on the floor and she right. picks up the forty five and he takes her, I'll take that, darling. Yeah, I <laughs> know. Yeah, I mean, the, the movie is full of mistrust. Yeah, the movie is full of mistrust as it should be. He's just more frank about it than uh, than most of the characters. She also, I mean, you know, she's an attractive woman, but she's not rolling in there with the Jessica Rabbit, Lauren Bacall, 
Like I am so sexy that that is your primary experience of me. And that's what I will use to get what I want. And um, I think that, you know, he would have seen through that too. So I, I, uh, I enjoyed revisiting. it. So it's a great film. Awesome. Ralph. After Drew's wonderful story, I don't really think I want to trash the film that hard. Trash away. Um, I uh, mixed feelings about this one. I had never seen it. Number one. Oh, wow. that's, that's the first thing. Um, and as you're talking more about it, like the Mary Astor character, like when she first come in, I, I come in, I'm like, that, that's not a femme fatale. That's like, she's just a plain, mm-hmm. I don't get it. I don't I, get the I, I whole. I felt the same way. Well, it's because she's an innocent. She's supposed to be an innocent. Okay. I know why this movie is a classic because it's, it launched Humphrey Bogart's bogey, the bogey persona. All right. From 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 a from a, a cinematography standpoint, a directorial standpoint, I mean, I think John Huston nailed it on this one. I loved, I loved the set pieces. I loved the shadows. I loved the black and white. How contrasty it was. It's a beautiful film. But I have a I have a hard time, as we all know, dropping my contemporary brain and just watching this film for what it's supposed to be because I find all of it. I, I find it like Police Squad. They, please, the guys who made Police Squad and Airplane nailed what these guys are doing. That whole thing where he, Peter Lorre's pointing the gun and you see Bogey go, and he, you know, he, he knocks the gun out of his hand. It's what Leslie Nielsen did in every Police Squad when somebody had a gun on him. And I just can't, I know I shouldn't say this, but I can't separate myself from the, how stagey it all feels. Peter Lorre, I loved watching him. I thought he was great. Uh, and I thought John Huston's direction was fantastic. I just loved the, what he did. If you saw uh, the shadows on the floor, shadows on the wall, the way he, the way he, um, you know, manipulated the people in the, the small, the very small spaces. There wasn't a lot mm-hmm. in this film. And then I didn't realize the whole frickin' Maltese Falcon was a MacGuffin. Right. You know, I'm one of those suckers who are going, what's going to happen? I want to see. Right. And as he's scraping it, I realize, oh my God, this is nothing. It's fake. But they do that whole thing. They roll, they roll the thing at the beginning to make it seem like there's some lore behind this thing, right? right? And it means something. So they start it right from the get-go. So I can see why people love the film. I can see why they love Bogart in this film. But I just like, I couldn't buy Mary Astor, but I guess she had some kind of, I think she had a affair with John Houston. Yeah, an affair. She had a diary with all his sexual proclivities in it, and uh, he in was a, in a custody battle. They stole the diary, and it all became public. Right. And she was sexually insane. Yeah. So, so she yeah, was a femme fatale for real. Um, yeah, she did. I, I need to know mm-hmm. why Sean is this such a classic? Is it the writing? Oh is that God. script? I is, just I, I mean, love the writing because I love the book. I mean, I saw the movie. I mean, is the book, right? is the movie closed? You said they took the script. Yeah, almost, it's, almost. It's like 99%. Yeah. Yep. I just you find know. it so mannered. I just can't, I just can't buy it. Like, I watched the big well, sleep. you know, is it ma- more sleep. mannered? Is it, is it more mannered than David Mamet? No. <laughs> yeah. No. But again, yes. Now, I'd argue that that's, I love David Mamet, so I'm in on every one of those that people like can't, like heist and all that stuff he does. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Even I mean, uh, this- The Untouchables he, he wrote, and you can tell right. some of the pattern in that is David Mamet. Um, I just don't know. I don't get it. And it, it's hard for me when I do these because I don't want to be cynical about it. 
And yet the first thing I see, that the minute they start, when his partner gets killed, and it's nothing. It meant nothing to Bogey. It meant nothing to the character. Yes, now you're all telling me that he was just a, you know, but he's just as bad. What? He, he kept saying it's, the, it's the code. The code is you have to avenge your partner. He kept saying that throughout the movie. That was his motivation throughout the entire movie was his code to his partner. I didn't see it. Yeah, yeah but I mean, even that, it's almost like he was just doing that. Going through the motions. Going like, through the no, motions. Like uh, I don't disagree with that, but he did it. Yeah. You know, the and end result was, and he was well, falling he did in love it, with her. Yeah, maybe. He was falling know. in love with her. It's Ralph. just like, I, here's why that I was really so love romantic, it. the way he leaned in and kissed her like that. But that's oh just, God. that's just the time period. What okay. the hell? There you go. But that, that is just the time period. I mean, well, what, what I love the, about this movie is any scene with Peter Laurie in it is fantastic. He was great. I can't And deny. also, I love Sidney Greenstreet. I mean, he's this big, fat guy. He's like, He's putting on this very jovial, like when he takes Bogart's hand, they shake hands. He like affectionately puts his hand on there and guides them to yeah, the table. Yeah, he also like their best friends. He's like their like, best friends like for, forever. Yeah. His like character loves Bogart. Loves he just, he, 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 thought, he, he loved Bogart. Well, he he, he keeps reviewing spiders. him. Yeah. Yeah. He keeps reviewing him, saying, "Oh, I love a man who does this. I love a yeah. man who does that." He amused him. He respected him. Let's talk That's about why he didn't shoot him at the end. And I love a man money. who comes. Oh, straight to the point. I right. love a man who comes straight. This is look, look. A couple of things. I think he uh, loves a man. So, so, so this was made a couple of times. In fact, the second version, Betty Davis was in it. So, if you didn't know that, also a couple nuggets. George Raft, uh, Humphrey Bogart owes his career to George Raft because George Raft turned down this role and turned down Rick and Casablanca. They were, uh, he was the first choice in both movies and they both turned it down. Now, Houston wanted Bogart. He didn't want Raft. Uh, Warner Brothers wanted Raft. But if, if this movie, first of all, there was German expressionism, which I can't believe nobody brought up. I mean, yeah. the angles and, and the shadows. Well, that's, that's part of the shooting. That's, yeah, yeah, very yeah. film noir. And the other thing about this detective. Not film noir, but just. Well, yeah. it was, but th- that was also that's part kind of, of the shadow. Um, from. but that. This move, detectives prior to this was like the thin man, right? Detectives were very elitist. This was like down and dirty detective work that, that they were doing. So this was very different. And again, you're looking at the new Bogart who he was not big. I mean, High Sierra was big, but he was not a big star when he made this movie. No. This movie made him a big star. He was transitional. Yeah. And Houston, directorial debut. Also, the guy who has the Falcon who comes in with the knife in his back. That's, that's, uh, Houston's father, Walter Houston. Um, which is a nice little nugget. He did it as a favor, and uh, uh, Houston uh, made him do that fall over and over and over again, always saying there was something wrong just to piss him off. Finally, he said, what are you doing to me? Because he was hurting his knees. I thought that was great. But you, you want to know why this movie's so great, Ralph? If you look at the cast, right, look at the last scene. The last scene is one-third of the movie in that room. It's 35 pages long. And it never drags. It's constantly moving. The dialogue's going back and forth. All the characters playing off each other. You know, we're going to make the gunsel, the, the fall guy. And that's, you know, Bogart knows they're not going to kill him because they don't know where the Falcon is. The whole thing is great. He's an anti-hero, one of the first anti-heroes. Nobody in this movie is good. He's the best of the bad people. And I think... I think he set her up at the end, even though he did have feelings for her. Everything he did was to was to get Gutman, was to get her. You know, he kept that uh, that noose around your neck. I hope they don't ruin that pretty little neck of yours. I just love this movie. It's fa- uh, his dialogue. In fact, one of the notes they got from the studio was he mumbled too much. 
So Houston had him really speed up his delivery. And if you look at some of the scenes, it's ra- his dialogue is rapid fire. And, and that became his trademark going forward for, for most of his movies. So it, it's just fun to watch a movie, uh, the beginning of talent, like Bogart, like John no, Houston. I don't disagree. Like I said. And frankly, Green Street was doing stage. This was his first movie, and he was terrified shooting this because he thought he was terrible there was a, there was a story uh, Mary, he had mary astor hold his hand during some of the scenes because he was so nervous you would never get that from his performance and uh, you know the other thing they did with him every time they shot him they shot him low to make him look even bigger than he actually is which was just a neat thing i just I, i've seen this movie over a hundred times i love this movie uh and, and, and Sean, I, just, I just love the way I mean, part of it is I just love the way if you love a movie, you'll just dive in. But if it's something that you I mean, like the one you keep complaining about the ninth configuration, you don't want anything to do with anything that you don't want to. It just it's just it's kind I, of frustrating. That's not true. I dove into it. I just told yeah. you I hated it. Yeah. So what, what's that? Guy? I, I don't I just I just I, I don't love, understand. Listen, that. I wish I wish you love more contemporary stuff the way you love your old stuff. That's all. I do love some com- contemporary right. some, stuff. Some. But this is right, Ralph. But you're like, talking like, about one I mean, of the 20 I, I, greatest. You're talking about one of the 20th greatest films ever made. I never. It's not one of my. You top want to 20. talk about the nice this, configuration and the multi uh, uh, just This is not one of my top 20. I understand why uh, people appreciate it. I yeah. get it. I get it. I just, you know, yeah. Like you love talking about you light up when you talk about the 70s films. You do. Some, yeah. I light up when I talk about classics because I love classic movies. I always have. I always will. I love them. And, and no different than the way you talk about all those movies in the 70s, which which a lot like Taxi Driver I really like, but most of them I don't like. I don't like the aesthetic of them. I just don't. That doesn't mean I'm not happy to talk about them. I am. But when we talk about classic movies, I light up because that's, that's what I love in movies. I love watching these old movies. Let me yeah. let me say something to you, Ralph. Um, I mean, I understand where you're coming from. So you've never seen this movie before, right? No. no. But this is not only you know one of the all time classic movies, like John is saying. This is also one of those movies that has uh, influenced literally like almost yeah. another hundred years of no. movies. Yeah. So like, if I'm not saying this movie is as good, I have a soft spot for it. But if you see John Carter. The movie, which is based on Burroughs' John Carter of Mars, which is mm-hmm. about spaceships and stuff on planets and aliens and all those things. And you see that movie for the first time in, I think it was 2006. I mean, you've seen it before. You, you don't have Star Wars and all these other decades and decades and decades of stuff. So when you finally go back and you watch something like the Maltese Falcon, never mind that it's freighted with it's one of the greatest movies, which it is. You've seen, you've not only seen it before, you've seen it over and over. You've seen it parodied. That's why I said it makes John, um, you know, crinkle his nose, but I wouldn't be surprised if someone, uh, a contemporary person watched Citizen Kane for the first time and didn't get how innovative it was because yeah. the way that it innovated. Right. Is, I mean, obviously a great film, but the way that it innovated affected the whole business. And sometimes that happens where you do something as a filmmaker that affects the whole business and it makes an amazing film. And sometimes you're George Lucas and you make movies like the prequels that are not good movies. But my God, what he did to change filmmaking is extraordinary. So this is one of those no, movies I, that I, invented I, I, so many things. If you've never seen it, I mean, it's it's so familiar. 
I get it. Now, if just as a movie, if you don't connect to it, if you're not into well, the I told you, if you're I, put I was off conf- by the acting. I get that. That's I was fine, conflicted because yeah. I understand why it's so important. I understand it was the start of a lot of things, including Bogey and John Houston and right. film noir and detectives. How detectives are now portrayed in films. Well, look, familiarity just, breeds contempt, and, and I didn't like I didn't like Mary Astor as as the as the femme fatale, and I thought his I love his patter, but you know it's it's kind of goofy, and uh, you know. Have you seen The Big Sleep? No, I mean that that's my favorite of all of those yeah. Bogart. I'll check. I'll check movies. it out. I'll check and it Lauren out. Bacall the other one, like Lauren Bacall. unbelievable. Yeah, is that oh the one God. where she smokes and she says, uh, "If you no, know, that's no, 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 no." What is whistle. that? What she says, "Just whistle." That's, uh, which movie is that? That's. Uh, it's not that one. That's um, the one set in um, the Caribbean. Yeah. yeah. But, but you know, I, I like the blank. long goodbye, which I think Robert Altman did in the 70s with uh, Elliot Gould. You know, I understand mm-hmm. the, the frazzled detective. Films, yeah. um, L.A. Confidential. I mean, it's, you yeah. know, it goes yeah. on and on I and just, on. I have, a, I'm opposite of John where I don't, I don't, re- I don't have reverence for classic films. I do understand that, obviously, everything comes out of these these films, everything. Tarantino, after Tarantino, there's a whole bunch of people that started right. doing what he exactly. did. I, I, get, other, I get this. That's the other thing. I mean, you, you watch a lot of movies in general, and you watch a lot of, you know, like big Hollywood mainstream movies, and this is one of those movies that shaped big Hollywood mainstream sure. movies for yeah. 80 years and counting. And because you're so old, you've seen a lot more movies than I have, so it, it can't help but be more <laughs> I think you've probably seen more than me, actually. But I, I, I don't I, believe that, think, for a second. I don't know if that was a con- That was backhanded, whatever. It's yeah, fine. No, it's, I, it's yeah. fine. So let's rate it. Rate it. Go ahead. Well, has everyone spoken about the film? I think we have. Yeah. Well, I was wondering yeah. if anyone was going to revise their opinion. Well, Sean, do you want to tell us about anything that you watched this week? That uh, you know, because you already talked about Debbie's movie, but we never heard from you. <laughs> no, because I, I saw that movie as well. No, I mean, but, I, I uh, would maybe revise my if I if I if I take what I just heard from everybody and rewatch it, understanding why it's important. I, I think probably I might have a different opinion because I did walk away going, "Man, I love the way it looked. I thought Peter Lorre was great. I even appreciated Humphrey Bogart. I can see why he was." But I just have a hard time getting past this, the, 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 the stiffness of it all. Um, but, but having said that, I can change my opinion like that if I really... Can I, can I say one thing about the stiffness of it all? And um, you can blame... Are you, talking, are you talking about Mary Astor's diary again? <laughs> yeah. Or, <laughs> no, but, or you that know, documentary? Although actors yeah. and... You know, they were stiffer times in the sense that um, people were more formal. Just the fact that everyone's wearing a suit. You know, you could go, like, I was down, saw someone, some photos of them building the Baltimore trolley lines. The guys who were digging the dishes, thick ditches were wearing, um, you know, vests and ties. Sure. And they were, you know, laborers with shovels, you know, and... Like one thing we don't have now, like we used to, are like Elks clubs and all those social clubs, because literally people didn't know how to meet each other in you know in on an informal basis without a formality of a club or something. You know, there were a lot more social and social restrictions amongst people at the time, which makes people you know, and I'm sure you've probably all seen it maybe in your grandparents particularly, you know, they weren't, you know, they didn't have that same kind of social freedom that we, we have today. 
And I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, a film like this, people seem stiffer because people, you know, legitimately. Well, and they're, you know, to be honest, they're very tight, tight staging too. I mean, they don't, they're not moving around a lot. And like John says, 35 minutes of dialogue. The reason that's so important is because to keep that scene moving, the the dialogue must be fantastic. I mean, that's, that's the key. Um, you know, and I, that's what I mean. I could listen to a good Tarantino film and not, you know, two people talking to each other is fantastic if the, if the dialogue is well written. Mm-hmm. So again, I'll give it another shot. I'm not trying to say that yeah. I wouldn't, but, uh, well, I would say, Citizen give Kane it some time, not, give it some time and watch it again. Like yeah, I want you to watch yeah. it in a few uh, months and tell us about it. The same way I want Debbie to watch Chunking Express in a few months and tell us about I, it. Like I'm definitely just, doing that. Yeah. No, I, mean, I, I'm just, I think John it's really neat to be able to do that. John. Yes. Peter Laurie imitation. Hit it. Ah, uh, Peter Laurie. He's tough. He's tough to do. Nah, nah, it's all right. You fat. What's his, is he German? What is his, what is his nationality? No, he's a Bol- Bolshevik. Is that what he, I read he was? <laughs> I just liked his curly I hair. And his, I know his, I know his. He, his I think he's German. Is he? He, he's, he may have been Austrian, but he's obviously. He was great. Have you ever seen Emrath? Uh yes, a long oh. time ago. I actually own that too. Oh my god, what a I, I saw it for the first time. I own time the Maltese last year. Falcon on Laserdisc. I just never watched it. <laughs> it was so it was so good. It was he's, he was so creepy. I saw that Austria when I was Hungary. like eleven years Austria old. Austria Hungary? Yeah, what his, is it? His, John Austria Hungary. His birth name was Laszlo Lowenstein, so that's pretty Hungarian right there. Yeah, oh, that's right, because he could speak Hungarian too. All right. But I no, guess um, I'm the only one. I'm gonna give it a yippie kai in the middle. Uh, maybe I'll give it a shot and get it back up, but I, I know everybody else is uh it's oh all God. plus. Obviously. I'm gonna give it a yippee kai. Oh yay. One of the that's, originals. That's yeah, this is one of the originals. I bought this at an auction. It cost me a hundred thousand dollars. Nice. Uh yeah, so I really love this. What's this your address? Was, um please come to my house. No, no, this is Did uh, Ray Liotta sign it? I've had this for thirty years, actually. <laughs> yeah. Scrape it. What do you do with that? I've got it, I have it down in my movie room. Is it a bank at least? Can you put stuff in it? No, it's not. It's actually pretty heavy. <laughs> Ralph, this John, is the stuff. Got a knife. Cut, stuff cut dreams are made blocker. of. Yeah, this, is the, this is the stuff that dreams are made of. Oh. Yeah. All right. And well, what a go. classic line that Bogart made up. Well, that's Shakespeare. I mean, it's from Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Yes, Shakespeare made but that line up. But what okay. a great application of it. Wow. All right. Bogart. Chris, you drew your yippee-ki-yays, right? I think oh, everybody, gosh. everybody's up, yeah, except for me. Oh yeah, shows my yeah. ignorance. I understand. Believe no, me, I Ralph, understand. no, you're not. You're no, not. No, no, it's okay. Stop. You don't, Ralph. Stop. I get it because that style of acting from those eras you don't like. I totally get that because it is very different. You like the realistic stuff, I, and it's so different than like the films. That I you want really to learn like. more about John. Listen, I would love to be on the set. Would have loved to have been on the set with John Houston and Humphrey Bogart and all the fun they had. I watched that Clint Eastwood film, Black Heart. Something oh, Hunter, yeah. White Hunter, White Hunter Blackheart. Blackheart. And I know that's what a, what a that's debut his, as a director, huh? With something uh, like that's this. That's what I mean. Very budget. assured. We talk about assured directing. And that's and part he wrote of, the screenplay. Well, part of the humor came from him. Had, right. Part of the humor came from John Houston. Had to have been. Yeah. Um, and he had his muse with Humphrey Bogart, I thought. I mean, I think, but like I said, the Mary Astor. I, uh, I don't get Mary Astor either. I okay. really don't. I, and I, the whole time I'm watching the movie a lot. I, did she have long hair that was wrapped in in a braids and she looked like a librarian? Huh? Like she looked like a yeah, librarian. She looked like an old wow. Wasn't she yeah. the mother in life with father? I don't know. Wasn't she no, the mother in the no. show? 
You no. say he librarian. was the mother in one of those movies. That was Rita Hayworth. No, <laughs> was no that was Susan Hayward. <laughs> I said that. Just watching Life with Father. Yeah, we just for Father's Day we watched that movie. Listen, you Life say librarian, Father. but in The Big Sleep, there's a scene where Humphrey Bogart has a conversation in a bookstore with a woman and the actress. I cannot remember her name, and it is one of the sauciest things oh, yeah. of classic Hollywood. So don't put down the, the ladies with the books like that. Yeah, yeah, they no, got, just got just saying what I thought she looked great. like. Yeah, but she, and she had that crazy diary, so obviously I misread her too. Oh yeah, she was a freak. Yeah, she was a super freak. So <laughs> she's super. Not, I don't know why. You, the kind you don't bring home to mother. I think that's pretty judgy. We we don't know what she right. was into. All right, here we oh, go. This was, is yeah, for you the do next. from the diary. We're gonna spin the wheel for the next show. So Sean is off the wheel. It's only me left. I'm still rooting oh, for you. Meet John. me in St. Louis. That's the she was the mother. Of meet me in St. Louis. Three of you left. Yeah. Stand by. Come on, John. No, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be you, Drew. Oh, nice. Ralph, are you sure you don't want to spin it again? I know that's what you like I think to that do, was so. legit. I, I, I didn't mess something up. So. I'm shocked. I wasn't. <laughs> you know, if you didn't get it, I would have heard about it. So I'm, no, glad, it, I'm glad it went that way. No, because this was a great one. I'm thrilled with this one. That was awesome. You know, I just decided, I, like, why don't I go with one of these films that I've watched a million times? That's yeah. what I don't understand. You can rewatch this film. Over and over and over. I will watch it yeah. twice a night sometimes. Tell me why. Is it the di- you listen to the dialogue? What is it that makes I you? I love wanna- it and I love the performances. I really, I just think I got yeah, the style of the great. movie. Bogart's the book, Bogart. I love Sidney Greenstreet. Yeah. You know, he's, <laughs> he's amazing. He's towering. You know, he's got this joviality with Chris. Chris, you want to say something? I can tell. What do you want to say? Uh, no, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I like there was a novelization of this. <laughs> No, there was a good one. (laughs) There's a, but um, no, no. I mean, I, I I like this film. I, like I said, I, I like it because it's, it's one of the first times that you see like a detective who is like you mentioned up to, up to now we had detective stories and the detectives were basically just, they were, they were pretty clean cut. They were pretty nice guys. Uh, Sure. They might be a little dirtier than cops, a little more rough and tumble, whatever, but they were much more, I mean, even somebody like Mike Hammer seems to have more of a moral compass than. Yeah, definitely. William Um, Powell, you know, he was like the first detective that was really classy, and yeah, yeah, the Thin Man. Somebody mentioned the Thin Man. Same thing. Also happened. Yeah, right. But yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons I like this film because it, and especially for the early '40s, it always feels to me like a kind of. I always, I always try to put myself in the mindset of somebody sitting down and going. This is the guy I'm rooting for. Like, yeah, right. you know, he's obviously the hero because of the way the movie's shot. But like, at the same time, you're it subverts so many of what were already expectations at that time. I guess. Well, they did that exactly with Casablanca too. He, he was an anti-hero on that too. Yeah, yeah. You know, he was a cynical. Talk about cynical. Yeah. I mean, yeah. well, that's after his part was burned out. Yeah. You know. Yeah. After what? Wow. Oh, it's bogey heart? is bogey. Look, whatever. I can say yeah. whatever I want, he but definitely bogey. And that's why he got so distrustful. He was jaded. Yeah, he was jaded. Yeah. I mean, I just love the fact that John Houston directs this. John Houston ends up in Chinatown playing the bat. You know, right. I mean, there is so many connections and so many things that lead back to this. And I totally understand that. So, I mean, I, sh- I, 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 you know, that appreciation I have. It's just a stagey dialogue and I this stuff. Totally just, get that. I just and if you're telling me the novel is written like this, is the novel written exactly the same? The, the, the dialogue same? is the same. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. 
Amazing. That, so. that is like the example that so many, you know, forget, you know, the example of the movie. So many other writers, when they write detective things, try to make it like Dashiell Hammond. Because, I mean, it's very readable. You know, you do not have to be, it's smart, but you don't have to be overly educated. He's not sending you to the dictionary, you know. You know, but he's also writing his internal thoughts, Sam Spade's yeah. internal thoughts, too, that you don't get in the movie. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, even the characters are a little bit different. He's much got a, a much darker edge in the book than he does in this. The thin man's very close, too. But at one point, he uses the book. Or she's like commenting to him after some woman brushed against him. You know, Nora Charles goes, well, did you have an erection? You know, because this woman, and I'm sitting there, wow, it's funny. They didn't use that line in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, good job. I appreciate that. It's good to learn a little something from these shows, these little shows we do. Yep. And Ralph, congrats again on your wedding. You and Maria, it was a great time. Yeah, I'm happy for the both of you. We had yeah. a great time. Everybody showed up and it was nice seeing everybody in three dimensions. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, I appreciate it. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, all right, John, let us know the film as soon as you can. I will. I will. I got to come up with a doozy. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, yeah, Citizen um, Kane, I'm surprised we haven't done that one. Oh, yet. oh you're not going to be there next week? The, the week I pick, Chris? Uh, I I might. I might not. It all depends on how well the planning for the trip is coming. It's also Fast and Furious 6. Ooh. He's going to go with that, I think. Well, that that might be. I think not. Yeah. I, I seriously I doubt John. Yeah, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I feel pretty strongly about that one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's good. Let us know, Chris. John, let us know what the film is. All right. Everybody have a good, safe week, and uh, we'll talk soon.